0: Good morning, everybody. This is CB Baker Enoch Baptist Church um, podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today, and of course,
1: I have with me Pastor Dr. Michael G. Daniels. Good morning. Good morning, uh, Mr. Baker. It's always great to be here. I hope you had a wonderful holiday, and uh, I'm trusting that the new year will be one that's filled with blessings.
0: Well, thank you so much for the for the blessings that I may receive. That may. That I am going to receive. I got I got to be speak more positive in 2017. And that's kind of what I want to talk about today, Pastor, is, you know, you had two great church services yesterday, and I'm not going to really touch really um, detail in each one of the services. We're going to have a conversation on how we should treat um, new beginnings, so to speak, for 2017.
1: Yeah, it's, I think um, this year offers a lot of opportunities for everyone and what we have to just do is to kind of take our minds off of the things that did not work in 2016 and look forward to what um God is going to be doing for us in the in the upcoming year.
0: Right. So, now this is for people who are been beat down by 2016. And you know, they they basically crawled in to the 2017. And they're looking up and they're like you know, I just don't see a, a, a change. Uh, what's your advice um, that you have for them? Or what does the Bible say that you can really do to really help you get back up and stop crawling and start walking?
1: That's, that's a, great, uh, a great question. When you, when you look at most of us and where we are, I think one of the things we have to do is an honest assessment and say, am I truly operating based on the principles of the Bible or am I just going to church on Sunday morning? Right. And so, I mean, to me, that's a great starting point. So let me address it in two ways. Let me address it first upon, let's just take an honest assessment and say, well, am I operating based on the Bible? And and I'll give you an example, one that I often use with people. Uh, the Bible sets up a, a way for us to manage our finances, for example. Um, most of us have heard of the 80-20 rule, but most of us don't apply from a biblical standpoint. In the Bible, um, when when one of the um, Babylonian kings had a dream, the essence of the dream was <clears throat> excuse me, that he was to survive off of 80% of his wealth and save the 20% so that when difficult times came, he would be prepared. That sets up a system for all of us, that we should learn to live off of 80% of our income, and which allows us then to tithe 10%, but also allows us to save 10%. Now, most of us who face adversity have not followed that rule, and so right. therefore, when adversity comes, we are not prepared. Right. Once you begin to struggle, the struggle tends to keep going. So the thing that we have to do is back up and say, well, am I truly living based on what the scripture says? <clears throat> the same thing goes for relationships, for for all sorts of things. But now let's say I am, I, I have made an honest assessment and I really am living based on what the Bible says. Then I have to go back to something I learned when I was a junior in high school. One of my instructors placed this up on the board. Um, it said uh, TTT. TTT up in a place where it's easy to see the cryptic admonishment TTT. And then when you see how slowly and depressingly you climb, it's nice to remember that things take time. And I think that's something that we all have to understand is that if it took me a year to get into the valley, right. it's going to take me at least six months to get out of the valley. Right? Because it's easier to slide down a hill than to climb up a an hill. Gotcha. Uh, and so you're going to require usually Quite as much effort to climb out of the ditch as it was to get into the ditch.
0: That's that's. I like how you um, put that. It, it really is um, good that a good really saying was going down the hill versus going up the hill, and I, I, I can attest to that. That it is truly is harder to go up that up the mountain, and then like I always tell people. Also harder to go up the mountain, but it's even harder to stay on top of the mountain because you can either slide either backwards down or backwards the front way. Now, one thing I will say is, I tell people just because you're going down the hill, if you're going front, because life is full of peaks and valleys. So, in order to get to the next peak, if it's going to be higher you're not going to be able to climb at the same level. You're going to have to go down in the valley a little bit and spend some time down there and learn some different things. So what is your advice for people that are, they've been at the top and they're now it's 2017 and say, okay, I like where I'm at now, but I need to get to the next level. How can we biblically, what does God say that we can do to get to that next level?
1: Well, there are a couple of things. Let me, um, first of all, just drop this out there. It's um, something you said I just want to piggyback on. Anytime you're climbing a mountain, the first, uh, let's say, 100 yards is easier than the second 100 yards. Mm-hmm. Number one, because of stamina. So, you know, anytime you start a race, it's easier in the beginning than the end. The other thing is that altitude. Higher you go. Uh, the, 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 the the less oxygen. So the more difficult it becomes. So your pace has to slow. So the first thing we need to remember then is, and the Bible says the same thing. As a matter of fact, in the 27th um, division of Psalms, that's what David uh, pointed out, um, that we have to be more patient the higher we go. And so once you get uh, moving to the top, you have to be a little more patient. You have to recognize that I cannot climb at the same pace as I climbed before. So even though I'm at the top of this first peak, it will take me a little longer to get to the top of the second peak. That way you don't get frustrated. The other thing you have to do is to understand when the scripture says to wait on the Lord, what it's saying basically is to start listening more, listening to where God is trying to lead you and also understand why you are trying to get to the next level. What is the next level? Is the next level so I will have more money in my pocket is the next level. So I will have more happiness or more joy in my life. Because if my struggle is to get more money, it may mean it will come at a cost of my happiness. And so I have, may have gone up higher, right? but not realize I'm higher because I'm not as happy because right. in getting there, it costs me some happiness. So I have to kind of balance it out and say, well, which level am I trying to get to? And am I really there?
0: Yeah. I mean, a lot of people get into, you know, say business or they start a new job or asking for a new job. Um, they really look at what they could do um, for like the money wise. And they look for that money and they really don't analyze the fact that they may not be happy. Like how many people do you know of, Pastor, that have got a new job, got the new paycheck? And then after about three months you know, they're catching pure hell on the job and they're like, you know what, this ain't worth it. But now they've gotten a bill cause they went out and got that new car that you talked about, you know, getting the new car and now they can't quit the job because now they got a new car payment that they need to pay that car. So now you are driving a nice car, but you're unhappy. So, it just doesn't make sense to keep, it's like it's a reoccurring thing that you see people get into.
1: Well, and I think a part of that is most people view the top of the mountain as material gain. Um, And the the Bible says this, is that naked I came in and naked I leave, which means that I came with no material possessions. I'm going to die with no material possessions. So the issue becomes, is top of the mountain more money, larger home, or is it a life with more joy? See the Bible says that the top of the mountain blessing is one where I have more joy, not one where I have more material gain. Now I certainly want my needs met, but material needs I don't need a seven thousand square foot home to meet my my needs. I can only sleep in one bed at a time. I can right. only drive one car at a time, and I don't want to live in squalor because the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So I, I need. I want to have. Uh, I want to have that which will show the world that I do serve a great God, which means I do want to be living to a certain level. But by the same token. I want to have a, a family life that is pleasing. I want my children to be healthy. I want them to be successful. I want to have a marriage where there is a lot of peace in my home, a lot of joy, a lot of laughter. And so if, let's say, I am a business owner and I'm putting in 15 hours a day to make my business successful, then my home life is going to be hell. Mm-hmm. And so even though I take pride in my business, my wife is going to be upset. And if my wife stays upset uh, for an extended period of time, uh, then uh, I'm not going to have much of a home at all. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> so <laughs> The Bible says the top of the hill blessing is one when there's perfect balance, one where I have joy, peace and love in my life to the extent that every day is a wonderful day.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's, it's important to have, um, um, joy and it's, people always uh, want happiness. Like, you know, I just want to be happy. But it's like, are you doing the things that you need to do in order to be happy? And then that's number one. But number two, go back before that, is do you even know what it is to be happy? And some people, like you said, they put happiness into material things. Okay, I got this car or I got this house. But when you're sitting alone in your 7,000 square foot house, and you have no family, you have no friends, are you really happy? And you can talk to people and they'll tell you like, wow, man, when I was living in an apartment and I had the $35,000 a year job, you know, and I had a, you know, I had a nice television. I didn't have to have the 70 inch screen in there. And people was happy. You know, they was content. They was happy and joyful. They, they walked around, they was um, smiling, you know, now you have all this stuff and like, like, um, like my man, uh, what's the name? Biggie Small said, "More money, more problems," and he is absolutely right on that. And because you have the enemy always trying to take, take, and take. And and when I got out of the church service, was if I go into 2017, no matter where I've been in 2016, with my head held high and and I'm stepping into 2017. And really focusing on what I can do to be better, but also feeling better, being happy. Because no matter what, should nobody be able to take the joy that you have for yourself from you?
1: No, absolutely. You're absolutely correct. Um, Joy is something that is a state of being, happiness is something that is an occurrence. I had an instructor once that said to me, Joy, trying to get trying to get happiness pardon me. It's like trying to go to sleep." Uh, the more you try to go to sleep, the harder it is to go to sleep. The more you try to be happy, the harder it is to obtain happiness. Because when you equate getting uh, uh, something with being happy, what happened is once you get it, you see something else you think will make you happy. So you're no longer happy anymore. Uh, and, and so what you really get in is a cycle of envy. <laughs> Is that, you know, I'm envious of other people because they have what I think will make me happy. And so that tends to make us more miserable because we don't have what they have. So we have to step back and say, well, you know what? Rather than me trying to be happy based on what I can acquire, let me try to be joyful based on my state of being, you know, What is it that gives me great joy in life? What is it that causes me to put a smile on my face? And what I find for it is this, if you have five friends that just the mention of their name puts a smile on your face, if you have a special someone in your life that you can't wait to leave work and get home to, if you don't have to worry week to week if your bills are going to be paid, then you will be living with joy. And that is really what we should focus on in 2017. Uh, My thing is, go into the year saying to yourself, how can I ensure that I have people in my life that I believe put me in a place where um, we can get along and not argue and not fuss and not fight, but we can compliment one another. You know, how can I help somebody else? And so one way of doing that is every day that you leave your home, look to make someone else's life better rather than looking for someone to make your life better. And the more you do that, the more you'll find joy.
0: OK, switching gears here a little bit um, in 11 o'clock service, you mentioned something that I really wanted to talk about because it really kind of made me think about things a little differently. He said, I would be blessed when I have the opportunity to tell people or people can see how God has blessed me. So, and then li- listen to what you had just said about, you know, people, you watching other people be blessed and then you get envious and then you get frustrated. I got to thinking, did those people get, if the people got blessed so they could show how God blessed them, we kind of missed the whole point of watching them be blessed. And we start hating on them, so to speak, or being envious of them. But then when we get blessed, we don't necessarily do the same thing that they did. We didn't say, Thank you, God, for blessing me. Like when you like when you see the celebrities, they the microphones shoved in their face. And they don't say, i just like to thank God for allowing me the opportunity just to be here and, you know, doing what I love to do for everybody here today sports athletes. I mean, they, they get it when they get an award. But, you know, but how you were saying it yesterday made me feel like we should be saying that even when you go to your job, you should be saying, you ain't going to necessarily tell the people at, at work every day you walk in the door, but you should be thankful for what you have, that God allowed you that opportunity and then to show people also that you've been blessed with intelligence, the ability to work. And even even though if you was able to get that nice car that you talked about, it's like, thank you, God. God bless me with this car.
1: Right. And, you know, what you, you really are spot on. And that is the, if the question becomes, why am I blessed? And there are two reasons. One is so the world can see how great a God I serve. The other is so I can be a blessing to other people. Uh, some people, when they get blessed, they want to show off the blessing, but they want to hold it within their own little circle. And that's what causes folk to be envious when, you know, if you get a blessing, but yet you don't share your blessing. And I'm not saying that every time you get a paycheck, you should give it out to everybody. But the point being is that God blesses us so it can be a blessing to other people. And so that is the thing. If, for example, if, if. Um, Coach Coach Wilder, uh, the um, head football coach at uh, Oldman University, I think is a perfect example of what I'm getting at. Um, coach Wilder has done great things for the football team at ODU. They um, have recently won their first bowl game, but he had not signed his contract for 2017. When they interviewed him. And and they talked about his success, and they asked him, why haven't you signed the contract for 2017? Because we understand it was a very lucrative contract. Mm -hmm. He said, because they have not included pay raises for my staff. And until they include pay raises for my staff, I can't take a raise either. And so he was tying his blessing to the blessings for those that work for him and work with him. Now, uh, will his staff be upset that he got a raise? Oh, no, they will be happy he got a raise. They right. won't be envious because his blessing becomes their blessing, too. Right, and, and that's how we are called to be, you know, from a biblical standpoint that we are blessed by God so we can be a blessing to those around us. And, and when we do that, the people around us won't be envious. They'll be praying for us to be blessed because they know the more we get, the more they will get as well. Not that we are obligated to give, but that's because we love, that's our personality. And so and similarly, um, I don't become envious of folk when they get blessed because I understand something. I can't spend your money. <laughs> right? I, I can't live in your house. So no matter how much God bless you, it doesn't take away from me. But what I do know is this. If God can bless someone who is less inclined to follow his will than I am then that means that he certainly will bless me. Uh, it might be that my timing is not your timing, but I know that my time shall come because the promises are real. And that's how I, I look at it.
0: Yeah. You know, and one thing too that I look at is when I see other people get blessed, it's like I have no idea what they've been through. And I might not want to go through what they went through. They get what they have been blessed with. You know, so you, you got to be careful what you ask for. You know, and um, and I tell people all the time, just be careful what you ask for and be careful what you pray for, because you will get it. And it may not come the way that you actually want it, but you're going to get the end result. You know, so really be careful um, with that. One thing I want to go back and touch on is um, waiting on the Lord and do not give up on the Lord. You know, going back to what I was saying, the people that, you know, they got beat down 2016 going and crawled into 2017 and. Waiting on the Lord, you know. This, you know, I like to picture of the person. He's laying on the ground. He's looking up at the sky, and he's saying, "Oh Lord, when will you help me out and get, get me up?" And and he's about to give up. He's about to throw his hands up. He said, "You know what? Forget it. You know, I've I've done the church thing. And I really didn't get a I, I didn't get the benefit of it yet." What what type of motivation do you give that person to stay coming to church? Stay in the Bible? And, and keep waiting on the Lord.
1: What I say to people is don't do the church thing, do the God thing. And I, what I mean is this, is that the, the, the mistake that most, a lot, of pe- a lot of people make is they think waiting means doing nothing. <laughs> and that's not what waiting means. When David said, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, he shall strengthen that heart. David was saying, do not depend on others, but depend on the Lord. Uh, the, the The backdrop of that was most people would wait on the king to, to help them out. Most people would wait on other folk to help them out. And David was saying, no, I'll wait on God to deliver me. Now, that didn't mean that David did nothing. It just meant he was saying, that's who I will depend on. That's who I would depend on to strengthen me. But if I'm going to uh, depend on God, it also means I have to follow his direction. And so waiting means follow his direction. Lean not to your own understanding, but in all of your ways, acknowledge him. What the Bible guarantees us is this. If you do what it says, you shall be blessed. Now, that means there's more than just coming to church and living the same lifestyle I lived before I came to church. A lot of people come to church, but they don't change how they respond to the world. Right. So you have to come to church, but also change how you respond to the world. And if you make those adjustments, see, you know, for example... The Bible says love your enemies. Pray for them that despitefully use you. And let me tell you something. The Bible says it'll make your enemies your footstool. What most people assume that means is that God will make, have, give you the ability to stomp on their head. That's not what it's saying. It's saying that those people will start supporting you. Right. Now, if, if you are my enemy and I'm treating you with love and and I am praying for you and I am benefiting you, because if I'm benefiting you, you may dislike me, but you're going to start helping me. Right. And before you know it, things are going to get turned around. Practical application of that is simple. I worked a job, worked for the federal government for twenty, almost 27 years. I had a lot of people that did not like me. But the same people that did not like me understood my benefit to them, Uh, not just because I was, you know, a great individual, but because I practiced what the Bible says. I showed them love. I tried to be an asset to them. And the more I was an asset to them, the more they pulled me up with them. And so I was promoted by people who didn't even like me because of that. So, again, I say to people who are tired of church but not yet tired of God, to follow God. Don't just follow the church. Do what the Bible says do and try it. I just say, try the Bible for 30 days, for 30 days. I tell them the same thing our good pastor told me. Try the Bible for 30 days. If it doesn't work, you haven't lost anything. You won't do anything anyway. (laughs) So do it, and I guarantee it, it'll work.
0: Yeah, it's um, I I run across a lot of people that say, well, you know, I, you know, I want to do such and such, but I don't want to say I wanted to go to church every every Sunday, and I want to do the church thing. And I was that person. I didn't I didn't want to I w- I wanted to do things that was more spiritual and helping people that, but I didn't want to go and do the quote unquote church thing. And there was a a good um friend of mine that said, well, you well, you why you don't go to church? And I said, well, everybody felt like everybody was hypocrites. In church and you know what she said to me she said you know church is is the hospital for the soul and i I said okay okay explain a little little bit more about me to that She said everybody in there is trying to get something right no one in there is perfect so if you go in there looking at other people you know judging yourself on how they're acting and you're in there for the wrong reason you're in there to fix you and yourself And, and ever since she ever since she told me that and i was like okay I'm going to look at this a little differently You know, change my perspective on things. And then luckily I, I, I married, um, married into the, the church family. So I did pretty good on that. That was a good decision. And, and what's really interesting about that pastor is was that I really feel like that was God's plan
1: for me too. Absolutely. I, no doubt in my mind, it absolutely was. And what you said makes perfectly good sense and people need to appreciate that concept. Um, for some reason, those who are not churched seem to think that people in church are perfect people. And so they do label them as hypocrites. Um, and, and the fault is the church. Let me say that. The fault is the people in the church. Because we who are in the church tend to be a little bit too judgmental. Uh, and we tend to act as if we ourselves don't have faults. And so then when people see us in real life close up, they see we have faults. And so then they say, hey, you were a bunch of hypocrites. The reality of life is this. um, A wise man said to me, once you have graduated from college, you will be in a great position to learn. (laughs) And I always (laughs) thought that it was I would know by now. Right? See, church is the same way. Going to church does not make you perfect. It puts you in a position to be better. (laughs) And so it's not like I go to church and become better. It's I go to church so I can be put in a position to become better. Now, some people do become better because they went to church, and but there's some people that don't. And they're not becoming better. It's not because they are bad people. Just like everybody that go to college don't graduate and get jobs making $100,000 a year. Right. It's just because some of us um, are doers. And some of us are learners and some of us are just slow to change. Right. Uh, But that doesn't make you bad. It just makes you different. And and so I say to anyone who is frustrated, when you go, don't go thinking that my neighbor will be better than me. Go thinking my neighbor is probably worse than me. Uh, But we are all here because we're trying to learn so we can be better.
0: Yes. And one thing you did say that, uh, that we have to take into account when you go to church and you deliver the message, if you don't apply it, it's not going to work. You know, it's not going to work for you. you. You just knowing it doesn't, does it. yes, it helps. But if you don't apply, you're not going to get the benefit or the blessing from it. And that's one thing I, I will say that and I, when I took the little 30 day challenge, I applied things and it worked. It may not have been like a great, but I saw a difference. So therefore, I said, okay, I'll give another 30 days. And I was you know, going on now three years for me. So actually more than that, probably around five. So it is really beneficial. So that's why I wanted to, you know, one reason why I wanted to um, start the podcast with the Enoch Baptist Church podcast with you. was so people like myself can hear the, the motivation and the, the practical aptitudes that you can apply to things to help you get to from step 1 to step 2. And then even for the people that's been lifelong churchgoers that are still struggling with certain things, but I call the 8 9 and 10 people that either they get at a higher level, they know all the scriptures and say, "Okay, here's what you need to do to apply things and apply what you're reading. Understand it, apply it, and you'll see a difference." Thank you so much uh, Pastor Daniels. Um, what we got looking what what do we have to look forward to in the next coming year?
1: I'm looking for all of our members to be positioned so that they can realize their greatest potential. Uh, To me, the beauty of following God's word is not just that I become spiritually in tune, but it allows me to be the best person I can be. And that's what um, we're focusing on in 2017, is to have everyone realize their greatest potential so we can all become self-actualized, so we can be our best.
0: Thank you for that. Thank you for taking a listen to Enoch Baptist Church podcast. The next time.